Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I am your host, Bill Myers, and I'm very excited today to have with me my special guest, Mr. Richard Probst. Um, I normally would uh, go into a, you know reading the bio and go go on into that, but it is really uh, the bio itself is telling the story of this amazing uh, man who resides here in Indianapolis, Indiana, in my hometown, and we very recently were uh, connected and. I, all I can say is that it is a blessing and it is long overdue. For many years, I've had friends, uh, various friends, say to me that I should get to know Richard Propes. Do you know Richard Propes? And I was like, I do not, but the name keeps coming up, so I feel like I do, but I really don't. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, I finally was encouraged for the last time to reach out to Richard. Uh, we've been connected on Facebook and and have common uh, so many commonalities, and it is uh, strange that we never really connected. So I wanted to put that, that mystery to an end, and I reached out to him, and we were speaking, and all of a sudden he said something, and I said, Stop! That's a show. Stop. I don't want to go any further. Stop. That's it. Freeze frame. And so the 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 statement in which I I froze in time was was I owe my life to black people. Um and I was fascinated by that comment. Richard Probst is a white male uh for our listeners. Um and I was struck by that. I was struck by that because there are many things about a statement such as that that speak to, in a profound way, um, our humanity, our uh, care and concern for one another. It hit and resonated so deeply, and I thought, as we are covering the topic of racism, um, I thought this is another angle to take a look at that. It's not always um, the result, um, the black-white uh, connection. It's not always at odds. It's not always. And, and you know, it, it provided me a, an angle to look at uh, our higher angels. And I thought, this is, this is great. Um, and so uh, I would like to welcome right now my guest and my friend, Mr. Richard Propes. Welcome, Richard. Hey, thank you very, very much. I'm not sure I can live up to that introduction, but I'm very, very excited and honored to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. And so here we are. 
and I would just like to start if you would sort of set up and give us the story of your sort of humble beginnings because you have uh, you know you have challenges that you faced uh, straight away and I think that I would just like to start there let's start at the beginning all right well I was born in 1965 October 1st 1965 and I was born in Witham Hospital which is a small hospital in Lebanon Indiana and I was born with spina bifida and in 1965, probably about 95% of the people who were born with spina bifida did not survive it for very long. And those who did tended to have pretty profound disabilities. And so um, I, I kind of had that disadvantage very early on of not only, you know, being born with this birth defect, but then being born in a, you know, a rural Indiana hospital uh, you know, and this is a birth defect where the spine is open at birth. And so, you know, your entire survival depends on them being able to close that spine. Uh, this hospital was not equipped to do that. And so I had to be transferred to a hospital that could. And so there were just immense odds against my survival. My parents were told that I would survive three days. Mm. Wow. And, and so, really, so, most of my childhood was was that those kinds of limitations being put out there for me and with my parents. So, and a continuous sort of grim outlook is that what you're saying? Exactly. I mean, you know, you know once I once I survived those three days, then it became maybe a few months, maybe a year. Um, you know, he, he'll certainly never go to school. Um, he's going to have you know profound. Um, intellectual disabilities, you know, he'll always be dependent. Um, then it was, I'll, I'd never survived a 10. I'd never get through school, you know, just continuously um, saying that, you know, I wasn't going to survive. I was going to have all of these significant disabilities. And I do have a lot of physical challenges, but sure. uh, it, it, they, they, they were profoundly wrong a lot. So that's what I would say. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And as I as I, as I look at your bio, I know that they were they were way wrong. Um you are you are an overachiever. Um and a person who I admire. As I look at this bio, I'm going, "Wow. You know, to to know that first of all an individual could achieve these things, this kind of trajectory and touch uh, into so many different areas and, with excellence, and to be able to do that, um, an able-bodied person, you know what I mean, with with all the parts uh -huh. working well from the beginning, uh, I, it, it is remarkable. It is even more remarkable <laughs> when I think about the challenges that you face. And uh, as we were speaking, and you sort of mentioned to me, you know, the grim the grim outlook and how people just didn't, the, the expectation being that low. And literally, when I say the word deadline, I mean it really. <laughs> I mean, literally, you were given a deadline, you know, three days, five days, he won't three last days. till 10, he won't, you know, and it's like these <laughs> literally are, you know, um, uh, are, are deadlines, as in the real meaning, that are constantly put up. And I'm just saying, you just overcame all that and just said, you know what, I don't believe any of that. <laughs> and, and you moved <laughs> on. And 
you were you were sharing with me a story because I want to sort of focus back in to this 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 narrative of uh, mm-hmm. I owe my life to black people. Uh, I, I want to start yeah. there and, and now and and sort of you know you take it from there and and tell us about those uh, folks that that uh, encouraged and supported in the early days when there were other folk who were just you know. Uh, did not have um, <laughs> quite the same. They were not doing that. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. So I'm going to let you yeah. have that because you're a great storyteller and, and far better than <laughs> I when it's your story. So have at it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, as I was kind of noting, I, I I had to be transferred to a hospital here in Indianapolis, and mm-hmm. uh, they tried to get me into Riley, which would have been a logical choice, but Riley was full, and so. They couldn't get me into Riley, so I ended up going into what was then known as Marion County General Hospital, is now Eskenazi. And mm-hmm. um, you know, at the time, you know, it's the county hospital. It's an urban hospital. It's where you go when you don't have, you know, a lot of funding. So uh, that's where I was transferred, and I was transferred well past, you know, when I was born. I, I arrived there when I was about one day old. And, mm. um, you know, placed on, you know, back then they still had all the children's wards and all of that. And so, you know, they rushed me there. They got me there. They did the surgery. And, uh, you know, kind of the miracle of all that, because obviously I was one or two days old. I don't remember that. Um, but I had this really powerful experience, you know, and I have always um, felt a strong as you and I have discussed, I owe my life to black people. I have always felt a strong connection to the black community, especially here in Indianapolis, where I've lived my entire life. And um, probably two or three years ago, I was in the parking lot of a Walgreens close to my home on the east side. And this elderly black woman um, looks at me very carefully as I'm uh, lifting my wheelchair into my car, and she uh, she just she looks at me and she's eyeballing me and she's eyeballing me and then she she looks at me and she finally says Ricky, which is what I was known known as from birth until probably my teenage years. I I said yes, and you know I I figured it was somebody from my past. Um, she comes uh-huh. up to me and she's like, I was your nurse. I was your nurse when you were a child. And, and she, she looks at me again and she says, finally, she says, Rich, Ricky Propes. So she remembered me. She remembered my last name. And she's like, I was there the day you were born. And she's like, I was there when you came in through the emergency room. You were one day old. We loved you. We just loved you. We knew you were going to make it. Um, and I mean, it, as I'm getting right now, I, I got nothing but chills. I mean, because wow. you could feel in her voice the passion for that. And I've actually run into her since this experience again. And she just, she remembers it. She remembers it so fondly. She remembered my name. Um, wow. You know, and, and it's interesting for me because some of my best childhood memories, even though you know I've had 50-plus surgeries in my life, um, I consider those days in the hospital to be just treasured memories because I was 
I was loved to life back then. These people took a child who should not have survived, and they loved me. And the thing is, so many of those nurses and so many of those aides, um, they were black. And they were um, the most nurturing kind, and yet they also instilled in me that discipline that has kept me going. You know, I'm turning 55 next week. Nobody would have I haven't planned for retirement. I wasn't supposed to survive. So, um, but they they instilled that in me, and they wow. they just gave me so 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 much, and and that's how it's been my entire life. But it started literally, literally on day one. Wow, that is that is incredible. You know, again, um, it's you know compassion. It's um encouragement the discipline that that you mentioned and and the love the love I, you know i that that's why i said stop you know hey stop I, there's a story <laughs> that, that is and it's not a story it is your life and that's it why is. you're here and and i am i am honored to have you here and i celebrate every moment of that again and you don't need me to tell you any of this because Again, as I look at your bio, you 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 have you know have have not lost a step um, at all, and it is very very impressive. And um, like I said, it is an honor to have you here. And I do want to dive into some of these specifics here in a bit. And uh, but we are sort of hovering very close to a break, so I want to uh, uh, make sure that we can get in and out of that. Again, it's an honor to have you here and. So you are, you said October the 1st, so we're coming up on October the 1st. So let me be the first (laughs) to wish you happy birthday. Happy birthday, Richard Prope. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that that's that's a wonderful occasion, and and we celebrate you being here. And, uh, you know, and I, I wish you many, many, many more, so... You are a blessing, sir. So uh, at this point, you are so welcome. We are going to take a break. You are listening to Bill Myers Inspires right here on the Inspired Choices Network with my special guest today, Mr. Richard Probst. We'll be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talents, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates.
Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and my guest today is Mr. Richard Probst. I do want to take just a moment in this particular segment. We are our, our show today is entitled "I Owe My Life to Black People," and this was a statement that Richard had shared with me in conversation. And I said, "That's a show, and I'll see you there." Okay, so um, now this is this is very interesting because I I did not go through his bio, but I'm just sort of going to to visit it throughout the show. Um, while Richard's childhood story is dramatic from his birth and unexpected survival with spina bifida to his early experiences with childhood sexual abuse. Even more dramatic is the story of Richard's survival and the creation of a life far beyond anyone's expectations, including his own. Now in his early 50s and still far surpassing medical expectations, Richard continues to be an award-winning activist and writer who has been nominated two years in a row for Indy's Best Human in the Indy Star's annual Community Choice Awards. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about, folks. Um, that's why I'm sort of trying to find those words, because literally we're talking to a man who's been nominated twice for Best Human. Um, I have never had a conversation with an individual <laughs> who has been nominated for Best Human. So... Uh, I do want to visit, again, a couple of the topics that we visited here in this narrative. So we, we talked about the early beginnings and, and the uh, various black people, the nurses and the attendants who encouraged you and loved you to life, as you, as you shared here a moment ago. But there's also another part of this narrative where you talk about the uh, uh, dealing with early experiences with childhood sexual abuse. I don't want to 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 downplay that, and I would like to uh, give you the microphone for a moment to share with us as much as you feel comfortable of what that experience and 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 how that has affected you uh, moving forward. Um, well, you know, it what maybe the downside to the way that I grew up, and and I would say. I guess I I wouldn't even call it downside, but the challenge of growing up with such a serious disability was that there was so much 
social isolation. You know, there was, okay. you know, I, I went into the hospital. I, you know, I, I was never really the kind of person who had a lot of friends. Uh, you know, I required some level of personal care. And so my social circle was pretty minimal. And so I had uh, really, I, I kind of fell victim rather easily to a neighbor who paid a lot of attention to me. It's almost the textbook description now of how sexual abuse happens, you know, feeling like someone myself got groomed and essentially, you know, really wanted a friend so much that I went with this, um, this person, this male who, um, Mm -hmm. really kind of groomed me. And, and so for a period of a couple of years, I I experienced rather extensive and severe, um, sexual abuse. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and it really did um, – it shaped a lot of things. It shaped my self-care. It shaped um, how I saw myself. It, w- it was very hard. I grew up in a home where I never really heard – my parents were wonderful, but they didn't – they weren't affectionate. They weren't parents who said, I love you. And this person mm. did say, I love you. And so I really was drawn to that. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, it uh, you know it eventually ended. This person actually ended up moving away, and it ended. Um, and there was a point where it actually came out. Um, I was actually uh, um, raised a Jehovah's Witness, and um, they um, kind of swept it under. And so, uh, any potential for healing in childhood didn't really happen. And so I really kind of lived with the impact of that for most mm-hmm. of my middle school, high school years. And um and it really did impact me and it really did um you know my grades suffered, my hygiene suffered. Uh you know and I think the challenge being that there were a lot of people who just attributed all of those things to my disability. You know, they all thought, oh, well, he's in high school now, so he's just struggling academically. Or, you know, he's he's got more expectations on him, so he's having a harder time taking a shower, et cetera, et cetera. And, mm-hmm. and that was never the case. It was always dealing with, you know, the body image issues and the abuse issues. And, uh, um, you know, and, and – so I, it, it became pretty dramatic and profound in, in my life, and it, it kind of led me into a cycle of self-abuse for a while, suicidal ideation, uh, mm-hmm. really a lot of self-destructive behaviors, kind of starting toward the end of high school into my early college years. I you know I mm-hmm. went through this really profoundly negative period, and um, – Interestingly enough, it was, and I know you can identify with this, uh, it was really the arts that kind of helped pull me out. Um, I was on a speech team in high school, and I started doing very um, emotion-driven speeches. I I did a Mm -hmm. lot of drama. I did a lot of writing. And uh, that was the things, those were the things that really helped me start to survive and to you know, start to express myself and, uh, and eventually, you know, it's, 
while the first couple people I told may not have done anything and may not have believed, eventually someone did, and I, and I started getting the help that I needed. So, uh, so you know, yeah. I started to find my way out of that. Yeah. Well, that, so, that's a. It, it, that, it was profound. I mean, it, it was yeah. a profound impact. Well, that that certainly seems to also uh, be. Um, you know, sort of some of the things where you start to find your voice, uh, you know, through the arts, you're starting to find out who you are uh, and and being able to uh, to uh, get that out, to express that, whether through writing uh, or the, you know, the speech uh, speech team and, and that sort of thing. So I think that is powerful. And uh, you've had a substantial. When I was. Put, yes. And and you know and that's also what led to the tenderness tour, which of course I'm sure we'll talk about, is kind of when my activism started, and that's really when I started to find the healing, was when I finally started to you know reach out and and um, try to find other people and use my voice and actually try to encourage other people to use their voices. Well, let, let's 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 go to the tenderness tour right now. Okay. Let's let's go there. So 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 go ahead and and let's let's uh let's find our way from from that conversation. You you touched on it and I'm like, "Well, that seems like a good place to go. I'm with you, man. Let's go." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It's uh yeah, we don't want to leave people in a down place. No. It's um uh in 19 I'm trying to I I don't even 1989. Uh okay. I I was I kind of bottomed out. I had kind of reached a point of um, really, you know, I had actually gotten married, um, but my wife ended up taking her own life, and I, oh you know, I had I had lost my um, feet, um, you know, which happened right around then, 1988, and uh, you know, literally, I mean, I was losing everything. I'd lost my home. I was living in my car. I was struggling. I, I. I tried to kill myself and it didn't work. And so I thought, okay, you know, and I was like, God, if you want me to be here, you're going to have to show me a reason and you're going to have to show me how. So I came up with this idea and I was going to travel around the state of Indiana in my wheelchair. And I was going to travel for 41 days and I mapped it out and it was like 1,086 miles. And uh, that was going to be my plan. And I called it the tenderness tour because – Tenderness was what I hadn't really experienced and what I needed to find out if it existed in the world. And so I, you know, I, I, I did. I, I, I wrote some press releases. You know, back then we still had typewriters. I wrote them out on my typewriter and, uh, you know, sent them out to newspapers and radio stations. And I gathered down on Massachusetts Avenue. It was a fundraiser for Prevent Child Abuse Indiana. And I was going to, I was going to do it, and uh, I'd uh -huh. never done it before. I was not an athlete. I, you know, I physically, almost everybody would have said I could never have done it. But uh, I, I, I was like, I'm going to try. So I, I gathered down there and I headed off that first day. And I, I was really ambitious that first day. I was like, I'm going to wheel to Shelbyville my first day. And of course, I didn't wheel to Shelbyville my first day because that was way too far. Um, uh -huh. But I did. I made it to Greenfield in my okay. wheelchair, wow. and I, I was greeted by the fire chief, 
who had seen me on the news because all the news stations locally had come out because you know it's a weird story. Some guy in a wheelchair is going to wheel around the state, and uh, so for the, for the sake of so so Richard, just for the for the for the sake of giving our our, our listeners a perspective. So you, so you started from Mass Ave. You didn't get to to Shelbyville, but you did get to Greenfield, and Greenfield is how many miles? Oh, about thirty. <laughs> okay. Where I stopped in Greenfield was about thirty. That that's yeah okay. Go go right ahead. And I've never done that before. So now I had done the mini marathon on crutches one time, but back when I had legs. But um, yeah, I I was not an athlete and. It was pure emotional power. It was mental strength that I'm not sure I even knew I had. Um, and I made it. And and to be greeted by someone when I got there who said, we'd love for you to stay in the fire station um, overnight. Because, you know, I had like $20 in my pocket. I had a backpack on my wheelchair. Most places hadn't contacted me back because, of course, it's kind of a – crazy story. So uh, they didn't really believe it. And so when I started showing up, people were surprised, but they were also really, really open about it. And uh, so, you know, I got to Greenfield. I spent overnight in the uh, fire station. I met with the mayor. I, you know, got the newspaper. I got the radio station. It, It was a great experience. And so, and then of course, what happened the next day, I got back on the road and I made it to Shelbyville. <laughs> so there you go. And I just kept doing it, and so I kept wheeling for 41 days uh, alone in my wheelchair along the roads of Indiana, uh, small highways mostly, sometimes side roads, and I just kept going. I ran, a, I went around the border of Indiana, and I zigzagged Indiana a couple of times, and. Uh, Basically, I mm. I went places that were interesting to me, and uh, wasn't a whole lot of methodology to it because uh, I was new at it. But right, but I kept going. I kept going, and I kept stopping, and the word kept spreading, and people kept being open. And you know, and I'm not going to say you know I didn't you know have any problems because you know I had a couple of days where you know my body kind of gave up. There was. One day where, you know, I I crashed down a hill uh, outside of, I believe it's Delphi, Indiana. It's called Mile Long Hill, and it's a mile long hill. And uh, I lost my medical supplies. And, you know, I've got certain supplies that if I don't have, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be around for a long time. So I, uh, I, I, I was in trouble. I was in trouble. I lost them. And, uh, right. We called an ambulance. They got me to an emergency room. Of course, going back to the idea of a rural hospital, they didn't have the supplies I needed. So they called a supply firm, and here it is, like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. The guy from the supply firm brings them out in the middle of the night, exactly what I needed. Wow. That's incredible. It was amazing. And I never got yeah, a bill from yeah. any of them. You know, they they all donated their time, and, um, you know, the hospital never sent me a bill. And uh, it was just, it was an amazing, and I had that kind of thing again and again and again on the road. Um, 
and, and you know, and so here I was, you know, there's a big part of me that thought I was going to find out that people really did suck, quite honestly, because that's what I'd really experienced up to that point in my life. And yeah. honestly, I found out just the opposite. That is incredible. Time and you know, time again. I, you know, it, it's amazing how, you know, how God opens these doors and, you know, and the people are there. The angels are there to greet you and everything that you needed with your $20 in your pocket mysteriously was provided for. <laughs> we're we're going to take a break right now. We're w- This is Bill Myers Inspires, and my guest today is the amazing Mr. Richard Propes. We'll be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires, as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are here today with my guest, Mr. Richard Propes. This is Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers. We were just talking about uh, activism and uh, and one of the things that Richard did at a low point in his life, not sure he could even do it, um, what he called the tenderness tour, where he got on his, his, uh, his wheelchair and uh, rode around the state of Indiana. So... This started in 1989. I want to jump cut right now because I have this in this bio that he has wheeled over 6,000 miles uh, since 1989 and has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for children's organizations worldwide through his award-winning Tenderness Tour. Uh, You know, Richard, you are amazing, sir. Again, I have never... uh, gone 30 miles in in my car (laughs) in a wheelchair with challenges man so i i want to get back to our theme today which we were talking about Uh which was the statement that you made i owe my life to black people so you were talking about a low point in your life and um you know uh uh marriage you know uh well a wife that could committed suicide again i don't want to you know, but mm-hmm. you went through some things and and bottomed out uh, yeah. in your uh, early adult life, we should say. And so, 
I want to now uh, set the story up because as we were talking about education and you had mentioned that you had attended Martin University and and, and Martin University, uh, for those who do not know, in Indianapolis, Indiana, is, uh, I guess, a black college. I mean, that's that's how I have always heard it or seen it referenced. Uh, and so, uh, or black university, I guess it's Martin University. So, uh, mm-hmm. but you were you were stating that you were in this low point. Now, I'm imagining it might have been relatively around this same window of time that you came across mm-hmm. another gentlemen and you said you were uh, you know living out of your car homeless and all that so please set this part of the story up because these are the two sort of benchmark stories i think that uh i attach to so please set that up oh i absolutely and actually it's perfect timing because i came back from that first tenderness tour uh, and i i knew that i had to get my life together you know i knew that there was hope and I didn't know necessarily how to get my life together, but I needed to do it. I knew that um, I had um, I had hope, and I also knew that I had a life mission. You know, the the tenderness tour was going to continue in some way, and so I came back home. And the first thing, or I came back to India, and the first thing I, I did was to get into housing. So I, you know, I got into housing, started to get some stability. At that time, it was Section 8 housing, and, you know, I found a safe home so that I I could kind of get things together. And then I decided, we're going to go to college. We're going to go, you know, I I tried a couple of times, and it just didn't work out well for me. I was kind of good at it, but I I really struggled. And so I I looked at smaller schools and uh, ended up. Hearing about Martin University, a friend of mine was going there, and uh, I um, I went over there and I talked to them, and I met, I believe it was actually on my first day, Father Boniface Harden, who founded Martin University, and uh, mm-hmm. he, I believe in 1977, if I remember the the year he founded it, he is, if you don't know Father Harden, he is, he was this um, he was a Catholic priest. He was he looked a lot like Frederick Douglass, and uh, to yes, the point that he good... would do, you know, Frederick Douglass, you know, oratory. He would appear as Frederick Douglass, and mm-hmm. uh, um, just an extraordinary man, very regal. Started Martin University, and um, he and I instantly connected, and. Um, because of my sexual abuse, I've, I, I will say that most of the people in my life, most of my friends and supports have always been women. So it's always something special when I find a male and there's some bonding there. And But yeah. Father Harden and I instantly connected. And uh, he was like, come here, come here, we can help you. you know. And I, I made the arrangements. Uh, you know, vocational rehabilitation was going to help me out since I was trying to go to work. So I was able to get some funding, and um, and so I started with Martin University. And and if you don't know Martin, you know it's this university at like 21st and Avondale Place on the east side of Indy. It's uh, at the time was primarily in this old church and this old elementary school, and. Mm. Uh, it was at the time three floors, no elevator, 
and um, they've since addressed that. Um, don't want to get them in trouble. They've since addressed that, but um, yeah. it was, uh, you know, so it was a challenging place to go. But Father Hardin was just the most amazing person I'd ever met, and so you know, I went there and I, you know, I started my first semester, and the instructors really determined to figure out how I learned best. They felt like some I hadn't been reached. They were like, they were like, you know, hey, we've talked to you enough. We know you're intelligent. We know you're better than you know these grades that you brought on your transcripts. And uh, so anyway, they they kind of committed to it. They kind of figured out how I learned. Father Harden got everybody going to support me to teach me the way I could learn best, and I started getting A's, which mm. was really brand new to me. Um, had no idea. I mean, I I always thought I had a lot of good qualities. Brains wasn't one of them, but I was getting A's. In fact, the first yeah. semester was straight A's. And um, anyway, Father Harden and I just we started connecting, and he started building me up. And he refused. You know, there was a point where I almost gave up because it was becoming too hard. He wouldn't let me give up. He just would never give up on that. You know, he would never give up on me. And I ended up graduating. Uh, well, let's see. I, they, they got me an internship at a hospital. Again, it, it was Winona Hospital, which is no longer open, but it was a, um, private college or a private hospital at 32nd and Meridian. Um, uh -huh. and it was, um, so they got me an internship. I got some experience. I ended up graduating in 1994, got my degree, actually graduated um, with a 4.0. Wow. Who knew? Had no idea. I, I was a graduation speaker. Um, just and, it, it, and again, it was Father Harden who he wouldn't give up on me. He wouldn't. He didn't see the disability. He saw the ability. And he just figured out how to reach that and how I could live into that. It was the most amazing, ex and he's and he continued to do that. He's passed away since, but he has he continued to do that. Um, at one point, I you know I I graduated and I was employed the next day at the place where I had interned. Um, wow! And I worked there for nine years and got laid off when they closed. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, it was just, it was an amazing experience, but Father Harden was even there through that. I mean, he contacted me while I was laid off and yeah. I mean, just one of the first true role models I had for healthy masculinity is what I would say. Yes. And a black man. Very and a black man. <laughs> he's a, he's a black yes. Man. And a black man. And <laughs> and I, I mean, and I, I only share that because the the idea of of having to distinguish that, particularly for from the standpoint that our listeners are not necessarily from Indianapolis. So I'm I, I I'm yeah. just needing to to make sure that people understand the context here, um, and that is uh, that is amazing. Again, uh, him lifting you up, him walking with you, him not giving up on you, him encouraging you. Someone who you didn't believe you had any academic uh, prowess or skills whatsoever, and all of a sudden you tell me that you graduated with a 4.0 because he figured out how you learn. 
and that, and he met you there. And see, you know, I, I'm a former uh, uh, school teacher and definitely understand the fact that every, every individual uh, um, has their own way that they actually process information. Now, because they don't fit the mold over here, then a lot of times we just sort of toss them aside when, in fact, that could be absolute brilliance. It's the fact that we don't know enough as the teacher or as the, the adult in the room to figure it out. Um, and so that's really uh, in, uh, pretty inspiring, intuitive, ingenious uh, that he understood all of that and knew that there was more to you than you knew uh, yourself. And he reached in there and he companioned you right through that and lifted you up to a 4.0 and, and success. So that's an amazing thing. So at this point, we are going to take our last little pause here. And you are listening to Bill Myers Inspires right here on the Inspired Choices Network. And my guest today is, again, the amazing Richard Propes. We'll be right back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives. From our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and my guest today is... Mr. Richard Propes, and the uh, title of our show today is I Owe My Life to Black People, and we were just talking about one of the major figures in his life, which is Father Boniface Hardin of Martin University, and what a very powerful man uh, uh, Father Hardin was and is as he continues to live through you. His legacy is alive and well. You are a product of his legacy, and so... Um, so we celebrate him through you at this point. So I, again, it is an honor to have you here. Now, in the midst of all of this, again, I must get back to our, our topic here and, and what we've been discussing since I launched the show, um, which I want to talk about other things, but I have the, the racial divide has been 
the thing that that has uh, I've I've had to focus in on because that feels much more immediate to me uh, and and urgent that we have these conversations. So, as you have shared, uh, you know, I, I owe my life to black people and and your experience. You still live in community with black people in your neighborhood, and I mean, you know, in a black community, and and so that is something that you have a perspective on. These are the people who saved your life. These are the people who walked with you uh, academically. These are the people who got you, you know, who supported you, lifted you up. So, so Richard, the question I have to you is where do we go uh, and, and what is your observation currently of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and the, the uh, uh, racial uh, unrest that we are experiencing right now. I, I, want, I would like to hear your perspective uh, from your point of view and your experience, uh, what your thoughts are about that. You know, I've thought, you know, it's so, it, it's so, anyway, it's just, it's so hard. I'm somebody you know, as you have, as as you've said, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I have felt accepted and um, nurtured and guided and loved by the black community here in Indy my whole life from day one. Um, I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. I, as you noted, you know, I, I went to Martin University. I live in a neighborhood now that is probably 90% black. Um, I have always been loved and I've never had a single moment where I looked at a black man and I thought and I perceived threat or I perceived anything negative or I, mm-hmm. I perce- you know, there's not that um, obvious bias, I guess you would say, that um, I think is so incredibly prevalent in our society. Um, You know, when you look at things like, you know, police brutality and, you know, violence, and and you know that um, there's more violence against black men, um, you know, and, and the stats, you know, they prove that. That's not even something can that can be argued i mean it's a fact it, it it's true and um and and you know there've been studies done on bias and and we know that it's out there and um and we know you know even you know as someone you've been a, you know you are you're an entertainer you know how the media can portray and um, oh yeah it's 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 tragic and and it's weird and I don't have a frame of reference for it and I it's it's something that maybe I'm not maybe I'm glad I don't have a frame of reference for it. Um, mm. I don't understand it. I don't understand having that fear or that anxiety or that bias. Um, and not to say that I'm not human, but I I just literally from day one. I mean. I have valued diversity. I have 
Um, I mean, the, the black community in Indianapolis is, I mean, literally, I, I think one of the strongest reasons I'm about to turn 55. I, I, I believe that with every fiber of my being, um, you know, from, yeah. from the nurses and the doctors to the nurses aide to, you know, took care of me, um, took care of my body you know, to the professors, to the fellow students. You know, Martin University is probably 90 to 95% black students. Um, right, right. I mean, these these men and women loved me. Yeah. And they believed in me on a level. And so, um, and so it pains me more than I can even express to think that they don't experience that in our society. Right. See, I really right. do have a point. I was going to get to it eventually. Um, no, no, you're there. I, I, I you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's I, the thing. I, I and I want a... to build as, I'm sorry. No, 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 go it, ahead. Go it ahead. drives me nuts. I want to build a community that does that. I want my Indianapolis and I love Indianapolis. I've lived here my whole life. I love Indianapolis, yeah. but I want to build an Indianapolis that, welcomes and nurtures and provides opportunities for the black community. And so, you know, yeah. when we, when you, you have it, you have it, uh, you know, and, and that is evident in in your walk, your bio, your, your choices, you are an inspiration to many. And I, I, I want to, to sort of, I got to grab the reins now, but, but I, I do want to yeah. share this. You, what you are saying leads me to my quote of the day, which is, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and it is, an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. That's what you're saying, Richard. That's what you're saying. Yep. And, 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 and to, to hear you grappling with words, trying to put that, how do you, how do you express gratitude for your life? So th that is an amazing story. So we're on our way out of here right now, but I want to do this right now. And it is October the 1st, and it is happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, <laughs> happy birthday, dear Richard, happy birthday to you. That's how I want to end this show today. Richard Propes, you are an amazing individual, and I love you, and I wish you all the best. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspires. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next